Welcome to This is for the CV, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. This is a podcast by Anthony and Rebecca, two professors in communication and political science, chatting about politics, pop culture, and the things in between. This week, we talk PhD programs and vaccine hopes, and we keep it a bit lighter by chatting about what we've been watching, including Fargo, The Mandalorian, and the transformative experience of Selena. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Rebecca. How's it going? Pretty good on a Tuesday. It's December, did you know? Oof. Apparently, the calendar told me. Real. Real. I mean, the first cold front that I really remember is is here, so that's mm-hmm. a marker. But other than that, I've been in these same walls, in these same rooms. I'm thankful to have been in them, given what's happening outside, but... March and December look eerily similar. <laughs> yeah. We are both in the same room <laughs> that we were in March. <laughs> to think when we started thinking about doing this podcast, we were like, yeah, we're going to use the, the media rooms at, at, at the institution because they're all not. We're going to have guests. This is what we're going to do. It's like, no, guess what? You're- and we were so concerned about like tinkering with the mics and getting the best sound. HVAC fan <laughs> systems. How do we filter that oh, right. out? I'm like, how do we get that background noise out? I was going on deep dives into the forums. <laughs> how, long, how long do we spend in that one specialist. room? Like, we spent like oh. five hours in that one room. And that room was so small. <laughs> it was such a small, dark room. Hey, at least we haven't been in that room since March. For real. So. And won't be. Like, this is so much better. Like, we, we this, this forced yeah, us into a much out. better way of doing this. And I think the audio Absolutely. sounds better than it would over there anyway. Mm hmm. Uh, so December, my birthday's in two days. What news? Flat? I don't even think I knew that. Nice. I mean, why? Why? Why would you? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's uh thirty-five on a yeah, turning thirty-five on a Thursday. It's not really all that remarkable, but shoot, man, thirty-five. I remember it fondly. You remember it? Yeah. Yeah. That was a good it. year for you. It's, I mean. Yeah, so what would that have been? There was no pandemic. Well, yeah, so we're talking 16. Yeah, so one year into my doctoral program, and that was the year that was the year that I bagged my advising job and got off the grad assistant adjunct temp grind and got like a full-time academic gig with nice. health insurance. Like I remember 16, yep. I was like, oh, yeah. We're in, we're in the insurance. game now. Like it, we're we're all the way in the game now. Yeah, that's awesome. You didn't start full time with tech that year, though. No, nah, that was seventeen. That was like 17. late seventeen, like fall seventeen. Oh, that's right, because I I was there for like a year before you. Yeah. Before you arrived, I mean, you were on the same campus. Yeah, I mean, I was adjuncting you when you got hired, and I remember thinking, like, man, they got mm-hmm. a full time political scientist. Where the hell is communication? I've been here for years. <laughs> you know. Like, was... Yeah. <laughs> But then y'all came for us. <laughs> yeah. You were just showing up correctly. Yeah, I mean, seems like if the College of Media and Communication is going to do something, we're going to overdo it. Like, that's just mm-hmm. how it seems that they roll, that mm-hmm. we roll, it seems to be. Hey, it's a good one to be in then. Works out. Oh, so anyways, what I want for my birthday is to sleep for the semester to be over. 
for Biden to be president and to get into PhD programs. So, you know, small things. Okay. Because Ben was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> so those things. you said sleep check. The semester is going to end on the 10th or 11th. Grades are yeah. due on the 14th. That's a done yep. deal. We're done. I'm getting it. And then it always gets done. Biden is the president. Well, president elect, right? Like he's president getting them briefings. Happening. It's it's all mm -hmm. it's all good, right? It's all happening. States of states are certifying. It's all coming together. A win's a win. And I don't even feel like a win's a win anymore. We've got seven million vote margins now. We we talked about like it was a wrap when we talked about yeah. it. Like every look, yeah. everything we talked about. Like I don't know if that was last week or the week before or whatever Who's to say? in our election <laughs> reflections, but I, I Ooh, feel, I feel strong about the oh, yeah, prognostication it's... part, even like we down to the electoral vote. We were strong. It's like, dude, yo, this is three Oh six to two. Like, it's exactly what we said it was like, yeah. this is this... Wednesday morning. We were like, Oh, uh, let's wait a little bit. Yeah. There's no mystery. <laughs> let's do a live Friday. There's no mystery. Yeah. Feeling good about that. And these PhD programs, uh, you know, you're in the process of applying and all like that. Mm -hmm. And that's like more than half the battle. Cause if you don't apply, the answer is always no. So true. Good advice. You know, sound sage. When you said that, you know, you was doing a lot of that these last few days, weeks, you know, I was like, Hey, let's lean into it and talk about that. I guess my first question is how, like, how did you know that all the things aligned in your life to take on this because you know we've talked about it before it's really not for the faint of heart and things have to be aligned how'd you know right well the realization that there's never going to be a perfect time to essentially put your life on hold and take on a huge thing and try to work at the same time like there's never going to be a great time for that and having conversations about like kids and plans for that helped because you can't you can't do it at the same time um yeah so I just decided to go for it I had waited I had thought about it I had you know looked into Baylor and, and things locally and they just don't have programs for me so I'm applying to commutable programs mm -hmm. so you know Austin Dallas DFW greater DFW area so the things that'll work in that so that I can come back and forth. And what's what's nice, what's really, really helpful is that my sister's moving to North Austin. She's in like super south, super east Austin, which wouldn't help too much with traffic and getting around. But she'll be north of uh, UT's campus. So if I get into a program there, you know, I can stay with her from time to time yeah. as I'm going back. My parents live in south, like a suburb in DeSoto, south of Dallas. Mm. So same thing with them. If I'm like coming from Arlington or um, Richardson, I can come through and stay with them from time to time. So just in terms of being realistic about the grind, not moving somewhere else, but, you know, commuting and making that work. Yeah. I've also been training my brain to be able to listen to textbook readers. Ugh. So I do that sometimes when I'm like doing the dishes, I put on whatever textbook I've assigned for my class or whatever academic article, and I have the reader read it. And it's like, in 1979, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. And it took me forever, but I'm like, you can get it. If you can comprehend information this way, then I can listen to that while I'm driving. Right on. 
So those are some of the the things that I've been thinking about trying to be realistic about it and not naive, like, oh, I could do hard things. Um, so it'll be, it'll be tough for sure, but I'm ready to do it. And there was the thought of, if I apply this year, I'll probably be 40 when I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I need to go. So, mm. uh, for the for the uninitiated, what's that application process like? Um, it's every institution does it differently. So you fill out like the large application that asks all of the like who, what, where, when questions, work history, those types of things. You have your CV. You have your statement of purpose, which for me is the hardest thing to write. Oh, it started out like hot garbage. It's getting less hot garbagey. Um, and where you talk about yourself and your research focus and you know your career goals and how that all aligns. Often other programs have like a, st- a research statement. One that I'm applying to now asks you to pose two research questions and explain how you would test them if you were to use those for your dissertation, mm-hmm. that part was actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't have to talk about my feelings. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a writing sample that has, you know, academic research to show what you're capable of. And letters of recommendation, sometimes health records to show that you're vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Lots of tra- all your transcripts from any place you've been. And I think that's it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, the personal statement is is challenging for you because you're a humble and modest person. You know, I, I'm going to go, I, I feel like, you know, 65, 70, 89% of graduate students love the sound of our own voice. And so it's like, ooh, a chance to yap about how great I am. Oh, yes, let me type, you know. I mean, I do have a podcast, Anthony. I'm not that humble. <laughs> Yeah, podcast called this for the CV because we don't even to the tens of people listening to us right now. This ain't really about y'all. Hey, average audience is about forty per episode. Thank you. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. We got we got a loyal bunch. Uh huh. I like it. Okay, well, to the forty of y'all, what up? Yeah, Lisette is refreshing that page regularly. (laughs) Thank you for your service. Shouldn't have time for that, but it's a funny concept. She does think listen. That she's just there refreshing. She definitely listens. Um, oh, that's nice. Um, okay, so so in the event that these these programs like the cut of your jib, then what happens? Like the cut of my jib. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Dennis Miller. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Some will just say, "Here you go." come to our program some will ask for rounds of interviews and then you know you make decisions all the programs have fall start dates and then it's um me working with texas tech to teach at different times than i am taking classes and going back and forth are any of the programs you're applying to have like uh teaching assistant components to them or research Mm -hmm. assistant components where you know, you're engaged in on that level aside from classes? Yes. And so that'll have to be like another consideration if, you know, if that's what comes with a funding package, mm-hmm. if there are enough hours in the day to do all of those. Mm. 
Now, what would be helpful is, I mean, the nice thing is most of the programs I'm applying to, I'm applying to five, so it's not like a crazy amount, but there's also not that many options. So most of them, I would be teaching things that I already teach or supporting things that I already, you know, have supported from being a TA once upon a time. So it wouldn't be just a whole new thing. And I would not teach for the community college anymore. So I'd be kind of shifting teaching oh, right. load. Right. So it wouldn't change that much, I don't think. At least that's kind of my thinking about it. But I do have to think about all of the other community work that I do, the boards that I'm on, the different things that I'm kind of a part mm-hmm. of, and, and where I'd have to cut. Because, I mean, it would have to be done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned, because we both uh, at times teach – for the community college that our institution is partnered mm-hmm. with. And yeah, like for, I think all of 2020, I haven't taught for them. And at first, you know, it's like a hole in your schedule. You're like, oh man, I missed that, you know, whatever, whether it be monetarily or, you know, engaging with students, students too. for sure. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, the time that it takes to do that, not just like, mm-hmm in class but also you know the grading the 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 answer i'm like man yeah it's like an inverse relationship between research agenda service Mm -hmm. agenda and that those classes and and it's like where where do you most balance like what's one more intro level class when it's like okay i could spend that time writing something for a conference or i could spend Mm -hmm. that time trying to get something published or I could spend that time working on my diss in your case, right? Like, it's like, eh. Right. I, I, you know. Yeah. I have a great relationship with the government department at the community college. I really respect them. I love working with them. But unfortunately, that's probably something that, yeah, that I wouldn't be able to keep up those types of extras. And you just take the hit financially. And, and they'd understand. Of course they'd understand. They get it. They've done yeah, it. They totally understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they know. Um, but that's... That's the goal. We're going to do it, probably. <laughs> well, I'm going to try. Yeah. And and when, like, once you're in and you're going, you, you know, the, this podcast might become a monthly because, mm. you know. Yeah. Speaking of tailoring things <laughs> back, but that's not until August. Yeah. So we'll check in. I mean, you, we'll keep going strong until then. I, I don't mean to be like, yes, it's your field. Yes, it's stuff you're interested in. Yes, it, it's a goal that you have in mind. And the classes, you're going to hop skip through the classes. The classes ain't going to be no thing. My advice is don't even worry about them classes. Just turn in what you need to turn in and, and acquire the skills you need to acquire from the people teaching those classes. The thing, I have collected and tried to absorb that piece of advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not jumping through hoops. Person. We ain't jumping through hoops for no GPA at the doctoral level. Like, you already got in. You, you, got, you, you know what has to happen for you to get kicked out of a PhD program? You got to drop below a 3.0 for two consecutive semesters to even get talked to. That's impossible. It is virtually yeah. impossible if you show up and do any of the work. So you already good at school. We got school covered. The part that sucks is like, okay, guess what? Of all the things in the discipline, of all the things that you've learned, of all the things that you've researched, you need to figure out something new. And beyond right. something new, it needs to be something that is so new and such a gap in the literature that nobody has even done it before. And then you need to justify that to other experts in the field and get them to be like, yeah, that is something worthy of study. And then you got to go <laughs> carry it out with like mm-hmm. no safety net, no 
no refund on the bread, no nothing. It's like, yeah, finish this or we're just going to keep your money. And in 10 years, you'll be right. ABD forever. Like, And if it takes you too long, you can keep paying us every semester. Like the weight of that sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie yeah. to you. The weight of that sucks. And, you know, that's the part in two and a half years once you're past comps and you're you're proposing mm-hmm. and all that. That's the part where mm-hmm. it's like... And then there'll be another part with your advisor where your advisor is like, yeah, so I've taken you as far as I can humanly take you without this being my dissertation. It's on you now. Yeah, you know? good luck. <laughs> it's like, you got to do it. Like mm-hmm. all of this, 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 and this, it's on you. Let me know when you got pages. I was around you. You were? When you were going through that. <laughs> it was evident to me you were going through it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you handled it well. No, but I didn't. No, I didn't. I can tell. No, I didn't. Nope. I did. You did it, so you handled it well. Yeah. You successfully defended. I did, you know, but not without not without the scars, you know. So mm. the scars came and I didn't have nobody to tell me what I just told you. Like I thought mm. I have a high level of aptitude. I'm ready for this and I have to do it. It ain't no this isn't a luxury for me. This is like at, at that point in my life, I was like we're doing this for all time for the straps mm-hmm. everywhere. We're do you know, like, and the pressure of that, like the weight of that, like, yeah, this is generational change. Yeah. The weight of that was all, like, I just felt like I'm in, you. you know, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I was a youth minister uh, through grad school. And when I got into my doctoral program, you know, the church like let me go from that job because they wanted somebody who was more, solely focused on youth ministry and i wasn't really ready to leave at the time but it it, it just kind of happened mm-hmm. to me i mean you could even call like it was a firing and so i looked at the i looked at the doctorate like man this this costs me a lot to even go yeah i better finish and mm-hmm. finish well right like to show these folks like man you know y'all made a mistake getting rid of me like that was dumb on y'all's part yeah so those are two heavy things to be carrying and then on top of that when you were hired it was with the understanding that you were going to finish up this program too so you had that additional pressure as well yeah and when i was when i was interviewing for this job uh that was what spring that was the spring of 17 and i was going to start in the fall of 17 and in my mind i had it I, i told the dean in my interview it's like yo I'll be done in a year. And I was thinking April of 18, I'll be done. And I wasn't. And it was the first time since 2009 that I said Mm -hmm. I was going to do something academically and I didn't. It was like the first time that I didn't, that I I didn't meet a self-imposed deadline. Mm -hmm. Like it was the first time that it had happened. Like I, I, I have plenty of that on my jacket from like 99 to 2001 when I dropped out. But from 09 to then, I had never not done exactly what I said I was going to do. And so the, the weight of that and having to email the dean like, hey, Dean Perlmutter, so I know I told you I'd be done, but I'm not done. And it's going to be another year, basically. It's just like, oh. <laughs> that was an awful email to send, but he was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so common. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> but you didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't have anyone to tell you that. And that's that's the not the disservice, but the tricky position that we're in at a regional campus 
in that we're not fully connected to our departments. So we don't have people around us that we just randomly see to say, oh, Anthony, you look stressed. (laughs) Oh, no, everyone goes through this. You're not unique in what you're feeling. You're fine, which probably would have been very helpful for you to hear. Yeah, it would have been. And therapy is well, thank, therapy thank is real. Thank you for paying it forward. Yeah, no, hey, you know, therapy is real. I went. It helped. It. it was a good. You know, my you know, Lizette is a counselor. She was like, "Look, Anthony, you need to go to see somebody tomorrow." Basically, here's a list. Call somebody. Right? Like, <laughs> you know. Props to listening to your wife's yeah. expertise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. If you look at the data, depression and anxiety skyrocket around the dissertation portion of a PhD program for many, many, many people. And so not, not so much fearing it or not feeling like, oh, you're above it, it won't touch you, but understanding that, oh, when you're under an enormous amount of pressure and you doubt yourself because it's a huge project and you've got people telling you to doubt yourself, it has an impact on you. So going into that kind of eyes wide open will hopefully be helpful. But, you know, it's easy on this side to say that. I'll be fine. Or I guess I know that I probably won't be and being honest about that going forward and not being hard on myself if if it does get to me Yeah, I, is my goal. You, you know, we're fans of The Wire and, Ooh, sure are. you know, they all talk about jail and prison in, in, in this particular way. You only do two days in prison, the day you go in and the day you go out. And so, you know, I'm not likening a doctoral program to prison, <laughs> but gonna, it's like. two days, man. Like, the de- like mm-hmm. th- those are the two milestones. It's like getting in's really hard, getting out's really hard. Everything in the middle is details. And, you know, you'll forget about the malaise of the details, but the, the things you will remember are the day that you get the thing that says, oh, yeah, we want you in and we're going to mint you one day to the highest terminal degree that you get in your field. And the day you get out, when you put on all the regalia, that heavy robe, you, 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 you've had on degree regalia before, but you ain't never had on no doctor. Like, that stuff, is a, it's, it's a different material, and it costs like eight <laughs> times as much, right? Because it, you keep, it's in my closet. Like, you have it forever. You got to keep it because it's so expensive. Yeah, but they got like the velvet little koofy, man. Like it's it's a whole other thing. Yeah. How cool is it to put on the little koofy and have your family there? It was dope. I'm glad. I'm glad that I finished in December of 19 because we actually got to have graduation. We actually got to walk. There was Mm -hmm. pictures. It was it was everything that it was supposed to be. And I feel for people in my cohort that graduated this year because they did not have the same type mm-hmm. of graduation experience that they deserved. And I say deserved because we all worked and earned that. And mm-hmm. if you're down to go to graduation, which you should be, that's just something that you can't replace. And I'm glad that my kids was there, even though the two-year-old yeah. won't really remember it. He'll see them mm-hmm. pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you've got pictures. That's, that's the important part. That's cool. So, I mean, I could talk about applying to uh, PhD programs all day, but that's probably not the most interesting thing for <laughs> for people to listen to. Um, you mentioned that we should talk about what we're watching because we have not done that in a minute because we were in deep on election we life were. for the last several, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. episodes. Yeah. So what have you been watching? Well, I mean, going into the Thanksgiving break, I just kind of, made a list 
hey, these are some of the things I'd like to watch. Uh, I didn't get to watch them all, but I was able to watch some of them. And so uh, Ooh, let's hear it. I watched Interstellar again for the first time since I bought the Blu-ray. Uh, Ooh, I've only seen it the one time in the theaters. It's so good. It's so good. Man, Matthew McConaughey, when he's staring at the screen, it's watching the life happen. Oh, it's yeah. That, that, that scene. I mean, we love, we love Christopher Nolan. Shout out to Tenet. It's coming out. I already bought my pre-order. I haven't seen it yet because I don't go in movie theaters right now, but that's coming out. No, I wanted to see it, but yeah, same. 15th of this month is coming out. Uh, I watched Citizen Kane again. Just just some light-hearted watching. Uh, Got it. Well, I watched Citizen Kane because um, David Fincher, who's probably my favorite director, David Fincher of Fight Club, Girl with the Dragon mm-hmm. Tattoo, Social Network, Seven, that, that guy. Uh, he is... His film, Mank, is coming out on the 4th on Netflix. And Mank is about the guy who wrote Citizen Kane. So it's like, yo. Oh, you're doing a little research. I'm just, let me just watch Citizen Kane Kane again to get ready for Mank. So that's why. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I wondered why that popped into your head. (laughs) Yeah. 2020, let's pop in the Citizen Kane. Yeah. That makes more sense to me. It's been 80 years or whatever. But yeah. Uh, Lizette hadn't seen Ford versus Ferrari, so we watched that. Oh, that's good. Oh, that that movie is so great. I went into it thinking, okay, I don't really care about racing cars that much. I'll watch this. I like the actors. Ben wants to see it. Mm-hmm. Let's put it on. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, it's not about racing cars. I mean, it no, is, but it is. No, of isn't. course it's not. It's a human story. No. Yeah, it's about, it was great. I mean, really, it's just about will, like passion. The, you, 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 you can't think under any other circumstances that those two individuals were put here to do exactly what they were doing. You know, like, it's like, I'm here to do this thing and I'm gonna do it. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do it with gusto and I'm gonna do it to the fullest. And anybody who tries to get in my way. Ooh, I watched the insider. I don't know if you remember that film, Al Pacino, Russell Crowe, uh, the story about Jeffrey Wigand and his, uh, his whistleblowing on um, the cigarette mm-hmm. company. Yeah, Michael yeah, Mann yeah, yeah. directed. Great film. Have I seen that? I don't know. It's fantastic. It's been a long time if I have. Yeah, it's an older film, but it's great. And then Fargo season four finished uh, Sunday on FX. Great season. Uh, Fargo is a, one of the great TV shows of our time, one of the great films of our time. Uh, adapted from the Coen Brothers film. This season got a lot of grief because it's about black people and because Chris Rock had the lead. And I don't think people liked black people talking about black stuff to white folks in Fargo. But it's dope and it works and it's Fargo. And I saw snow on the ground. And Jason Schwartzman's in it too. There's plenty of white people in Fargo. Ease up. So it's a great season. (laughs) Fargo is like nothing but white people for three full seasons. Everyone will be all right. I've never seen the show. Of course, a big fan of the film. <gasps> you wait, wait, Rebecca. You 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 have Hulu though, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So you have Hulu, and so Hulu and FX have partnered up, and so you can just watch it through your Hulu app. Okay. Yeah. You 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 that that. Is this? Do I need to add this to my holiday list for sure? Oh. The first, I'm going to take that as a yes. The first season of Fargo is, 
it is it's ludicrous how good the first season of Fargo is. <laughs> okay, Billy I... Bob Thornton is throwing 150 oh. miles an hour. All right. It's amazing. Okay. Writing it down. I mean, it's always been on the list of like, oh, we should watch this eventually. But I like the film so much that I thought, eh, I don't know how good it's going to be. And I just never watched it. It's going to be great is what it is. You're going to love it. Speaking of fantastic films that they're now doing shows about that I'm just praying will be good, Selena comes out December 4th. Oh, is, is ne- Netflix is doing that too, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm. Netflix is releasing a limited series called Selena. The previews look good. I mean, I'm going to watch it, of course. But I don't know, man. Edward James Olmos, mm. can you top that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Jennifer Lopez just nailing it as Selena. I don't know if you can top it, but we'll see. I'll, Wait a minute. I'll give it a shot. She's in the Netflix show? No, no, no. She's in the original. Film. Right. That's what I was saying. I was like, man, yeah. that's... Okay, so... Selena... Like, my my recollection of that movie, it takes me all the way back to 1997 and high school geometry class, sixth, <laughs> sixth period... <laughs> Uh, okay. A class that I fondly remember as being able to pull a B while having 47 absences in. Uh, that's not an understatement. 47, 47 absences in. And, and on some of the days that I did go to class, uh, Selena was being shown by Mr. Arturo. And I remember, like, I, I didn't know nothing about Selena in 1997. But I remember one of my friends telling me that Mr. Arturo, who was in an earlier uh earlier period of that class he was like yo if you ain't going to geometry today you got to go to geometry today because they show us selena and then and and, and i was like okay okay what and he's like look man you need to go see that and so it it, like i was very much aware of who jennifer lopez was because of in living color but sure selena was the first time i understood what jennifer lopez was in in terms of like her like appeal sexually in them white pants. Like, I just remember, I'm like, <laughs> so Jennifer Lopez walking around in these white pants. <laughs> the, 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 the 15, 16 year old me was not prepared. <laughs> he thought you were going to learn about geometry. Yeah, he was talking about some different circumferences in Mr. Arturo's <laughs> class in 2017. Oh, uh, I was trying to find the geometry joke. You got there faster. <laughs> it was way better. <laughs> I didn't have circumference. I was thinking angles. That was way better. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes, I went to high school in El Paso, so you better believe Mm. that I got an education about Selena there. Mm -hmm. Like, regularly, there would be a day of remembrance on the day that she died in the city. And, like, people would, like, come to class with, like, different things and, like, set it up in the hall as kind of like a shrine to her. Really? And people were emotional. Mm-hmm. It's like very heavy, serious, just a cultural icon that meant so much more than just someone who made music. Yeah, I mean, it's rough when you say die. It's like, yeah, she got murdered she by murdered, somebody in right. her inner circle, which is ridiculous. You know, on that. when, when Someone with the same name as my Nana. So that was always awkward. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Yolanda. Oh. I always shudder, whether it's her or Marvin Gaye or, you know, mm-hmm. 
any anybody who dies at the hands of somebody in their inner circle before they time because of jealousy, that type of stuff. It's just like, man, you fight to the top of your profession. You're immensely talented. And, you know, mm-hmm. you put people around you to empower them and to help them out. And then they start thinking that they're immensely talented and start getting all hostility about your talent and what you should do with it. Hostility. That's just, I mean, that's, that's a tough cross. Like, that's a tough thing to carry, like, every day of your life. To know that, mm-hmm. like, do you do you really care about me or do you want something from me? Like, to, to, to feel that all the time. Like, that's, nobody should have to feel that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of artists do feel that. Absolutely. And rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Especially if they um, came up into fame as a younger artist. You've just got people trying to exploit that mm-hmm. and use you every moment. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's easy to look at, you know, kids and be like, oh, they're spoiled, they're millionaires, boo-hoo, but... There's a lack of stability that I think is like continually felt where people like you and me, we don't have to go around thinking uh, the people in our lives just trying to get stuff from us. That's not something we ever really think about. Nah, nah, I don't, I don't think, you know, it's easy to just pop off and start saying stuff about, you know, a Justin Bieber or whatever, but it's like, I want you to Mm -hmm. really, really think about everybody knowing what your face looks like and you're 12 years old Mm -hmm. and you have to like live through puberty that way. And, right. and and be able to just know like anything I want in this world I can afford it like just just and and and, and now now you're 15 years old like oh I just got my learner's permit think I'll go get a Ferrari like I, I just just really and, and and no adult in the room will ever tell you no just 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 like that's your your parents work for you now like that is not natural. At the same time of being put on just a completely rigorous schedule where you don't actually get to be a kid mm-hmm. and people want you to keep making that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't actually get a whole lot of a say in how much you work or when because you've got contracts and right. commitments and <laughs> deadlines. At 15, 15-year-olds right. shouldn't have that. Right. They should have like term paper deadlines and that's it. Right. So, yeah. Uh, his song Lonely kind of speaks to some of that. So he's come out with a new album and – you know, typically I'm not like, oh, Bieber, let me go take a listen. It's just, it's not quite for me. Uh, I'm a little older than his demographic, but he's he's making some good stuff. Very honest. Yeah, you can't like you it. can't deny his talent. He's got a lot of talent. Oh no, absolutely not. No, and I'm pulling for him. I, I pull for him in a way that I like pull for Shia LaBeouf. Oh sure, yeah, we've talked about him you know? in the past. Yeah, like talented, crapped on a lot pulling for them mm-hmm. i for think sure. for young talent there's a couple milestones right like so i forget what the number is like the number where Jimi hendrix and janis joplin and and jim belushi when they all died very very young i don't know if it's 26 27 and morrison like all, like you know once you crest that it's like okay if you can make it to 35 you might live a normal natural life but then mm-hmm. you know the wheels can fall off again in that in that whitney houston Michael mm-hmm. Jackson realm that that 45 to 55 range where it's like okay I've done everything I've 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 made it through and now you're at the level where you're not new anymore you're just as talented as you always were but the world doesn't react the same way you know Michael Jackson's 10th album if some random person put that out, they'd be lauded as one of the greatest pop stars of all time but it's Michael Jackson's like bro that ain't thriller and what could be what the hell would be thriller after thrill? Like, bro, you, you you know, it's hard to keep it at that level of greatness and sustain mm-hmm. that. Like, nobody can do that. 
And if you're Michael Jackson, what's the best thing you can do? You're never going to top the best thing you could do. And so once you lose that, oh, not everybody's leaning on every word that I have to say. I'm not invited to every party. I'm not, you know, and he had the scandals to boot. But I'm just saying, like, Whitney Houston, greatest voice of a generation, maybe of all time. Absolutely. And it's like, eh, but ain't nobody paying attention no more. They've moved on. And you look and you're mm -hmm. like, they're not as talented as me. Never was. Never could be. Mm -hmm. But they're Well, and then we only become interested in the tabloid headlines about their life, not about their talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sucks. So, and we definitely did that to Whitney Houston. Yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah. Every man, if I'm in a grocery store and I hear her come on, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> it still gets me. There are a few celebrity deaths that get me, like her and Robin Williams. Oh. Those two. Robin Gut punch Williams. every time. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The people that gave, the people that dove inside of themselves to give the people mm -hmm. what they wanted at the expense of themselves. You know, I put, mm. I put Philip Seymour Hoffman. Said. I, yep. I put him in that category with Robin Williams. It's like, agree. man, I can't give you what I can give you without diving deep inside myself. And I don't like what I find deep inside myself, but I got to keep going there to give you what you want. I, I put Jim Carrey in that category. Oh. Oh. I, wor I worry about him. Huh. He struggles, that man. Huh. I haven't thought but about him But it's been interesting to see him... Kind of come around back into more just straight comedy and play Biden, so <laughs> and, and do a great job. So I've been happy to see him doing some more mainstream stuff and hoping he's doing all right. Yeah, there's nothing that man does that isn't great. Oh, he's hilarious. Like, and so, anything you yeah. think is whack from him, watch it again, and you'll realize that it was great too. Oh, I didn't like the I didn't like the mask. Watch it again. Watch the mask again and see what you think. Right? Like, <laughs> have you seen any of his paintings? I have. Yeah. Yeah, he's also incredibly talented there. He's just like, I think I'll paint to calm down. And then just make some masterpieces. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not what mine would look like, but cool. Um, okay, so you, what else have you watched? I've got, I'm trying to think what I've watched over over the break. I did take some time off. And we watched some scary movies because we were in a cabin. Mm, mm -hmm. And that had like weird like we just called it the murder house oh they had i mean it wasn't it was fine but it was it was basically in arkansas just south of the ozarks so it felt very ozark and everything was like wood paneled and there were like secret compartments and we just kept finding weird things so it was fun so we watched some like old older scary movies that we had seen before um but other than that the mandalorian we caught up on that nice yeah, that's all. Oh, that list. episode, The Jedi, is so good. We'll talk about so, it. So, <laughs> yes. Where are you at in the show? Have you watched it at all? I'm saving it. Okay. Like, all right. Well, then we can't say much. I don't like to watch it week to week because it's so good and the episodes are only 30 minutes. So I've yeah, just been banking them. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to get into all this all at once. That's smart. Well, I think that's incredibly smart for season two because there's been some filler um, I started to get frustrated with the show because it was very much like, you know, your typical like superhero movie or Clone Wars where you have like a new mission each episode, mm -hmm. but the greater story arc doesn't really move forward mm -hmm. and it becomes a little formulaic like that. And so there was some of that and I was starting to get bummed out about it. And then this episode, The Jedi comes <laughs> out. And, ooh, 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 ooh. And and then, and then I hushed, so oh, yeah, I have you no hushed on that. Okay, 
I will just say Rosario Dawson is in it. And I did see she's, that. I did see that oh, she was in it. And I smiled when great. I saw that she was in it. Great. Great job by her. Not all the acting has been totally stellar in this was by some of the people, you know, they're like, I'm in a Star Wars thing. I must overact. She's perfect. I first so. became aware of Rosario Dawson, also in high school, with a movie called Kids. <laughs> I don't oh, know if you've no. ever seen Kids. I have one time. I will never see it again. Oh. Kids is I did so, not know what I was getting into. That film is so nuts and was really <sighs> like, it was like, like I owned Kids three different times and it always got stolen from me. Like every time, so, like it was stolen out of my apartment at least once. And I let two people borrow it, and they never gave it back. What? Why would you want to own that film? It's so dark. I told you, Scandal is a comedy to me. Okay, like fair even enough. you probably also own Requiem for a Dream, don't you? I don't. Okay. I don't own that. I don't own that. Is it just because I don't you think I've ever seen that? It? I've never seen it. Oh. Mm. I would put that in a category with kids in terms of like how dark it is. Oh dang! In terms of, uh making a pretty adept observation on a part of society, mm. but in a way that's hard to look at. Mm. Good. But it's not about kids. I mean, great performances it's about, um, addiction. out of that movie. You got Rosario Dodge, you got Chloe Seven J in that movie. Uh, you got Tully from uh, The Wire. I forget his name. I think it's like Michael Fitzpatrick or something like that. Oh, they're he's all, in that? He's, he's Tully. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're all... I mean, I saw it once, a long time ago. I was like, oh, this movie about some kids? <laughs> Just yeah, it's a movie about some kids, right? Plop down. This should be cute. <laughs> Just not prepared. Not prepared. No, definitely something... I. It would be rated NC-17, right? Like, oh, I don't even sure. know... For it, sure. I don't think it ever made it to theaters or nothing. It was like one of them cult classic... Yeah, I, I can't imagine it would. Well... As much as I think you need to watch more comedy and relax, Rec Room for a Dream, it's <laughs> probably a film that you would love, but whew, whew, it's heavy. Mm. In terms of directing, though, it was doing stuff early on that we kind of take for granted now. It was, yeah, it's, it's, it's a well-made film. It's a hard watch. Okay. I think you'd like it, though. Um, I watched Monsters and Love. That was cute. Okay. It's out for on demand, but it's on Plex for me. And so we watched that and it's super cute. It's like there's some sort of attack or something. We shoot a bunch of nuclear weapons up into the sky. And then the radiation from that turns all of our insects and creatures into giant monsters over time. And they kill off most of the humans. Oh, oh. So... It's, it's it's silly, but it's a, it's a story that's told in a really sweet way. So it's this kid who doesn't have, you know, his family's been killed and he's going to like find his girlfriend from before the crisis. He meets a, like an awesome dog along the way. Yeah, Dang. it's cute. So there's that component of it. In terms of like telling a post-apocalyptic story, this is one where rather than telling the story of, when resources are scarce, we all turn on each other and become supervillains <laughs> and like just depraved monsters in these weird sects, which is always the the storyline there. This is like, oh, we become like our own families and we come together and we do things. There's still some bad guys here and there, but for the most part, 
we become better and we take care of each other. And I was like, that's nice. That's not accurate, but that is so nice. <laughs> that makes me feel good. So it was nice to have a beer and watch mm-hmm. that. That was nice for yeah. me. In the middle of a pandemic, that felt good. Yeah. So yeah, so I recommend it. It's super cute. And if you like, you know, if you love a good boy, the dog is fantastic in it. Obviously, The Mandalorian I'm recommending. We finished up Lovecraft Country, which I recommend it to you to watch. If you can get past, I know you don't love like fantasy and like, you know, a lot of monsters and things like that. But if you can get past that, it's a very smart telling of like using the Jim Crow era to tell a horror story. It's on the list. I want to watch it. It's good. So it falls apart a little bit for me at the end. It gets a little over the top fanciful, unfortunately, but the early episodes are wow. Great. And um, Lovecraft, the author, the horror writer was known for being very racist. And so this is sort of a take on this is Lovecraft's country. Oh, like this is a world that he would have created. Yeah, there's it's it's smart in a lot of ways. So I was kind of geeking out on a lot of that and some of the different stories they tell. And it does such a good job of like putting you in the place of like, oh, this is what it would have been like to be in Tulsa that night. Mm-hmm. Things like mm-hmm. that. So anywho, um, yeah, not as strong later on, but still recommend it. And then we started the Lord of the Rings series. And by started, I mean, we started at the first Hobbit. Oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's like 18 hours of film. So I was in the corner on Sunday. I just worked all day, uh, which was fine because we had time off before. But I was, you know, grading, reading, getting ready for class, writing application stuff. And I was a big ball of stress. And I was like, I'm just going to turn these on to have them on the background. So we started this Sunday. We're working our way through. Nice. Yeah. They hold up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen them all. I probably need to watch them all again, but I've seen them. Yeah, it's a it's in the vein of Harry Potter, Potter for Potty, <laughs> Harry Potty, Harry Potter for me in terms of like it's comforting to have them on from time to time. Just put that on and escape into a world of Mordor. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter is something I do need to watch. I've never, I haven't seen any of those. <gasps> you still haven't watched those? Nah. I remember, oh, that's right, because I remember saying, hey, I have all the DVDs, I'll give them to you, and you go, are they on Blu-ray? And I said no, and you said, never mind. No, well, I think, (laughs) I feel like I started the conversation (laughs) saying, do you have these on Blu-ray? And you were like, I got them on DVD. And then you were like, And then I was like, (laughs) I don't want to say garbage. I don't want to say garbage, it ain't like that, but it's like, yo... I'm trying to see the definitive version of this. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the later films, it it does make a difference. There's they're pretty visually impressive, so I get it. With Blu-ray, it's not it's not just the uh, it's not it's not really about the the visual. It's it's about the sound. They can encode ah, they okay. can encode sound more, as somebody who has home audio stuff at the house mm-hmm. and surround sound everywhere. Like the sound matters. As much, okay. if not more, than the picture. And Blu-rays mm-hmm. hold that sound. Those Dolby mixes, they take up too much space, and you couldn't even fit them on a, on a DVD back in the day. Like, there was only a certain amount that you could fit. But, you know, these new sound mixes, it's like they need that Blu-ray disc space. And then, you know, now they got this ultra 4K stuff that's even yeah. beyond that. I don't even have a TV that can play that at the moment. 
oh, that's what we got when we got broken into and our TV had a hatchet in it. We were like, well, let's go get a really nice TV. <laughs> so that was our gift to ourselves. I remember when you bought that TV. It was super nice. You were telling yeah. me about that TV. I was like, well, that's a dope TV. <laughs> we walked in with the budget and with the plan, and Ben saw something sparkly yeah. and was like, I want that, that budget. one. Forget that plan. And we got it. You got another now, plan. No, it's been great, though. Right. The true, the true black is a thing that I appreciate more than I ever thought I would. Oh, yeah. Like, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. Makes a huge difference. So when people are watching those last few episodes of Game of Thrones and like, what's going on? There's just shadows. I can't see anything. We could see everything perfectly. Right. right. So. Need a difference. Yeah. So like in my bedroom, I have a plasma TV, old school plasma. And the thing about plasma is that because it's not light emitting, it's all gas. Black is black. So like when you have those letterbox, oh. you have letterbox frame films. It, it mm-hmm. just looks like it's suspended in air. You can't, you can't tell that there's any lines there, which is that's like cool. Really, it, nice. It's, it's something you notice on TVs that don't like my TV in the front room. It's good, but it's not that good. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that that's good. cool. We don't have a TV in our bedroom because it would. I would be fine with it. I can go to sleep on stuff. Ben would never sleep again. Oh. Because if, like, there's a movie on, he'll finish it. Uh-huh. He just really doesn't fall asleep with background noise on or anything like that. So no be- no TV in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've resigned ourselves to the fact that, like, if some if one person's done, we're both done. And let's just turn it off. Because. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's fair. You have a plan. Yeah. Okay, so there's good things to watch. There's a bunch of stuff coming out. I love holiday films. Oh, yeah. We always make a list of you know, all the films we're going to watch in the Christmas season. We haven't done it yet, but Home Alone is always on there. Probably Scrooge will be on there. Mm-hmm. Die Hard is always Ooh, on Die- there. Oh, Die Well, that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And I contend that it is absolutely a holiday film. It is. I've seen those arguments. It is. And that is my unflinchingly rigid position. It's a great film. Hans. Those are a lot of fun. Bubby, I'm your white knight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We tend to watch holiday episodes of certain shows that we love. My brother does that. He has a whole list. We'll do that for like the West (laughs) Wing. Right, right. Friends. Yeah, all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll probably pick a couple shows and then like find those. Doctor Who, we'll Mm. do it for Doctor Who as well. So we'll, we'll make our list. We haven't done it yet. Do you guys watch holiday films? Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, you have kids, but do, well, do yeah, you like, choose to watch them that you enjoy? Yeah, so, you know, uh, Christmas Vacation mm, is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I think, I think for some reason I always watch The Hateful Eight around Christmas time. Why? I don't know, because it's cold and snow. Like, I don't know. And because it came out, <laughs> I, I watched a bootleg copy of Hateful Eight. Uh, like on Christmas Eve, like they dropped, like that and The Revenant came out on the same night. Oh my god! And I remember and why I'm like, dude, this is those? tradition. Like, let's do. Oh my gosh! I don't really like I The can't Revenant. I wait to watch these people just kill each other. I don't, I don't like The Revenant. I didn't, I didn't like that. Okay. I don't know why I got the hype that it got. It was visually stunning, but I didn't like it. But like, yeah, The Hateful I've never Eight. Seen it. What you haven't seen it? Mm-mm. Well, you ain't missing it. Hateful Eight. I've seen Revenant. I haven't. Hateful Eight's good stuff. But yeah, I think I need to add Die Hard to the list now that you done said that. That's money right there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it holds up. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of absurd fun. That's the best kind, right? Like I feel like that's Jack Nicholson in the what's that? Uh, a few good men, where he's like grave danger. Is there any other kind, right? Like it's just. Like, 
I thought you were going to go with The Shining. Oh, that's something I don't own that I should. Dr. Sleep is also very good. I haven't seen that. That's that's worth watching. Oh, okay. I think they did a good job with that. I don't know, Rebecca. I don't know if we can talk vaccines this week. It's already... Is it time? So we should just end with... There are two promising vaccines. Okay. One has been submitted for FDA approval today, and that's fantastic news. Now comes the ugly part of our politics where the CDC council gets together and decides who's deserving and who's not deserving uh, in terms of like order of importance. And there seems to be a consensus that healthcare workers obviously go first. And I think that's understandable. I haven't heard anyone make a, a counterpoint. One of the things that discouraged me was corrections officers are part of the kind of first wave, but people in prison are not. And so one that doesn't really do a whole lot to stop the spread in prison. And it says, well, if you work in a prison, you don't deserve to get sick. But if you live in a prison, you do. And that and they have the highest rate of infection of any population anywhere in the country. So it just it, it shows to me the way we're adding like weird morality and and things about who's deserving and who's not rather than making decisions based on who's most at risk of dying from this. And that's a big bummer and I hope that changes. I think there's some there's some things to consider. First, we don't know if this vaccine is like hey, take this and it keeps you from getting sick but you'll still be a carrier or this keeps you from even getting it. We don't know that yet. We're still we're still trying to figure that out. And that's a big question because it's like, well, what's what's it what's it doing inside of us? Is it is it stopping us from having full-blown cases of it like the flu shot does or is it stopping it from even getting into us at all? I think if you're an individual like the two of us who have made it this far and can see a vaccine in sight and have never had covid uh, you are one of the fortunate ones. We are the fortunate ones. And now mm-hmm. that you can see a date in sight where most of the population will be vaccinated, um, I think I think it's important to keep that at the front of your mind and not not let that fatigue get in you and be lax in your hand washing or distancing or mask wearing. Now's the time more than ever yes. to be as vigilant as right. possible because there's an actual end date in sight. And I would also say to those people, who are wary of these vaccines just know that in the history of humankind more money has been thrown at this problem than ever before and scientists mm-hmm. worldwide have been working on this and this alone to the detriment of other diseases and other health nightmares and sure. so what they put out is going to be magical and it's going to change the world because our reality in six months is not going to be this reality it is going to be the end of World War II, the photo in, 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 in the street with the people kissing. It's going to be ticket tape parades and happy days <laughs> is here again. And that's because some really expert people were given the money and the opportunity to chase after this thing without risk yes. of losing money. And right. just look at what science right. can do. Like if given, mm-hmm. if given clear lanes and a lot of funding. Got to give love to the administration on that tip. They threw a ton of money at the problem. And and it wasn't for no reason. These scientists put out some stuff that actually is going to work. Yeah, what will be really fascinating to see is 
how effective we are at public health communication Mm. in terms of, okay, there's a vaccine. Now we need to explain to people what it is and what the risks are and are not because we just, we haven't been given a lot of information because there hasn't been reason to yet. We've Mm -hmm. got different studies out there. You know, we've got some promising results, but then comes the, we need people to take this and not be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And in certain communities, there is a valid distrust of when government tells you to do something from history. And so like, how do you overcome that and push back on certain communities that are more skeptical than others? And so that'll be interesting to see. And I think there's an opportunity to have some really effective governance in the new administration around that issue. We shall see. But you're you're going to get it, right? Absolutely. When it's accessible to you. Yeah. When it's my time on the list to go get it, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. I'm going to let them place that post-it note in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding? I'm taking the post-it yeah, note. Give, give, <laughs> give me that vaccine. But we're going to be reaping the benefits long before we actually get it because all these other populations that are higher up on the list, that's fewer mm-hmm. people for the virus to infect. And it brings us closer to a good version of herd immunity, not the let's all get it and see what happens Darwin version of herd immunity, that 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 idiocy. No, a more reasonable version of herd immunity, the things we do for other diseases in this country, that type of herd immunity, herd immunity through inoculation type of herd mm-hmm. immunity, the one you want, not the, oh, well, hey, let's just everybody get it. Do what you feel. The one we have for measles and polio. Yeah, and... polio. Yeah, smallpox. Yeah. That kind of immunity. Yep. Well, it's hopeful, though. So that's truly what I want for my birthday, a vaccine. <laughs> so for the, for the world. Yeah, well, you got it. You got more than one. All right, Rebecca, what is... The quote of the week. Well, I had something by Paulo Freire about education and access, but we were just talking about Die Hard. And so I want to leave you with this quote so that when it comes up, when you watch it in the next month or so, you laugh. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. (laughs) Yes. This has been This Is For The CV. Thanks for listening, Mom. This Is For The CV is a Larson and Lestrat production. Editing done by Rebecca Larson. Music performed by Issa Black. Thanks, man.